So at one point, usually in our childhood, uh, we all sort of see something. We find something that uh, makes us curious, something that we think that we want to spend the rest of our lives doing. Uh, Call it a dream, call it a passion, call it an interest. Whatever it is, we usually stumble across something that looks super cool and you want to spend your rest of your life doing it. And uh, maybe it isn't when you're a kid. Maybe it doesn't happen until much later in your life where you've uh, spent some time and you've had some experience and you've tried out a bunch of different things, which I highly suggest you do. Um, But maybe in that period of time, you come come across something that you think you want to do for the rest of your life. And I remember that I had a couple of different phases for me. And if you listen to the show, you've probably heard these stories before, but at one point I thought being a comic book artist was what I wanted to do because I loved comic books. I loved uh, telling a story in a two-dimensional, basically rectangle, like a frame, and I loved that. Um, And I started to pursue that, but the steps along the way really didn't interest me that much. And then uh, I really enjoyed sketching and putting things together roughly, but the detail work um, was really difficult for me. And it wasn't until later on in my life when I was hanging out with uh, artists like Ben Templesmith and I got to actually get the inside info on how much an artist actually gets paid and how much you're paid per page, how much you're paid per panel. Um, It's ridiculous when you actually look at like a non-celebrity comic book artist and how much they're paid per page. It's absolutely nothing. (laughs) So then you ask yourself, okay, well, I'm not going to be able to make a living doing that job, right? And then uh, there was a period of time after working in a music store for years uh, and, you know, being a young kid, teenager, and, and really enjoying being in that environment, being in a place in which new music is coming in every week, uh, being around uh, a bunch of really cool musicians that would come and do in-store stuff. There was one point in time where I thought that maybe I would run a music store. Maybe I would own a music store and really, uh, I really got off on, on introducing people to new music. Um, but then, you know, I spent about two or three years doing that. I was a manager at a store, one of the biggest stores um, in Massachusetts. And uh, I realized that that job sucked. <laughs> and the day-to-day of that job sucked. And then there's a ceiling on how much money you're going to be able to make. Um, and then, thank God, I didn't sort of jump into that business because the, the world of physical media, when it comes to music, has died. You know, um, I think other than little specialty shops like Amoeba Records out here in, in Los Angeles and like Tower Records is gone, like they're all gone. So that was interesting. And then I thought I was going to get into radio. I thought that my transition was going to be, well, hey, I'll have a radio show, right? And uh, on a radio show, I'll introduce people to new music. Um, and then I went and I've told this story before. I went and did my first radio show at a community college and late night show and uh the program director of the station was like okay every half hour you play cds with a green sticker and at the bottom of the hour you play cds with a blue sticker and it just it wasn't even payola because it was a it was a college station but you were just looking at the restrictions of it and going why the fuck do you need me why am i here if you're not if, if it's not for my taste if i'm not giving you my opinion on something then why am I doing this? And thankfully, I didn't take that job because 
then you had automation that happened and then you had uh mp3s and and now we're at the point where it's spotify territory where uh algorithms are the new radio djs you know what i mean and uh they're just examining wave patterns and beat patterns you know and they're saying okay well this guy likes this sort of waveform so here's a bunch of other tracks that fit this waveform and fit this algorithm uh, which is super depressing. But I guess my point is, um, it may behoove you, if you're interested in getting into any of these businesses or any of the stuff that, that from the outside or from the uh, passenger seat looking at an Instagram account, look amazing, looks like the life that you want to live and everything looks fantastic. Um, you really want to dig into it a little bit and see, A, is the job what I think it is? B, how does this person survive, truly survive? Like, how does this person stay employed, right? And then uh, C, what is the longevity of it, right? And how is it changing? And how has it changed from that point? Being a young kid and looking at like, in uh, Vogue videos or George Michael videos and, and realizing that there's one guy doing it, David Fincher, and then saying, okay, cool, that's a career path. He has made millions doing music videos. So if I go that route and I get really good at it, and if I can do music videos at the level he can do music videos, then I can be doing the same thing. I can be doing videos for those large acts and then I can make a career at this and that's why, how I got started in the music video territory. And playing in that game, I quickly realized that because of the downfall of physical media, and because of the change in the industry, and because of the real, reallocation of funds, and then sort of record labels trying to figure out how they fit in, and musicians trying to figure out how they fit in, and who's going to pay for what, and how's that going to work, um, the career of a music video director has sort of fallen off the map. I mean, there are still people out there making music videos, but most of the time, if you dig into it deep, you realize that like, hmm, maybe that's just some trust fund kid that's got a camera and he likes, and he's friends with The weekend, and he's, you know what I mean? Like, you don't, it's not a, it's not like a career. It's not like a business career. And, and yes, there are some people out there that are still doing it and that are still making it work. Um, like Dale, like Rage, uh, he still makes it work, but he's got a very specific business plan that is about quantity over quality. So he shoots the fuck out of anything he can get his hands on to try to continue to build that reputation and build that name. But at the end of the day, I don't know. I don't, I'm not going to throw him under the bus, but I don't think Dale's into me making music videos to make amazing art. I think he's into making music videos to make as many as he possibly can. And he's the first one to tell you that like I have made over a thousand music videos. Um, so it's not the same thing. And I think uh, it's a responsible move on your part if you're younger to, if you are interested in a business, to either do the research on it. And sometimes you can't get the real truth when you're just hunting on the internet, right? Because the internet's full of like propaganda, straight up propaganda. So then go PA. That's why I keep saying go PA. Like if you're a high school student that is listening to the show and you're interested in potentially uh, working in the film industry, once you turn uh, 18, go PA. 
before you decide to go to film school, before you decide to do any of that stuff, go see how it actually works. Like go work for a producer, go hang out with people um, and check out how that stuff works. And the same thing goes if you wanna be a photographer and try to get into the photography business, go be an assistant. Or you know, if you wanna get into the music recording business and do that sort of thing, go become an assistant at one of those places and just get coffee, just hang out and look around. Open your eyes and look around and see how the game works, right? Because for all you know, what you're obsessed with is something that only existed 30 years prior, right? And because of how fast these businesses evolve, the job that you think you want doesn't exist anymore, right? And I'm not saying this to depress you. I'm saying that no matter what, there are those of us that have that urge, we need to create. And if we're not creating, we're sitting around and waiting until we are creating, right? Um, and so the, the hard thing to do, and I try to do this all the time, the hard thing to do is sort of examine and say, okay, look, how can I create? How can I make the work that makes me happy? But how can I also survive? And how can I make enough money so that I'm okay in the back end of things? Um, and that just requires a lot of research and that requires talking to people and hanging out with people. And luckily for you, you listen to this show, right? So I try to give as much information as I possibly can. Um, and I try to hit as many of these, really, these uh, romanticized industries, businesses as much as I can, just to give you a real insider look into how it works and make you ask these questions, right? Um, and that's what today is all about. So today is a strange episode. It's a very interesting episode, and it's the results of my late night hunting through Instagram, right? So I spend a lot of time booking guests for the show through Instagram, believe it or not. Um, and I actually go through and I write to certain people and I say, hey, would you like to be on the show? Sometimes they get back to me. Sometimes they don't get back to me. Um, uh, but today's show is uh, a solid result <laughs> of that process. Um, and I'm pretty excited, and a lot of you guys may know who this guy is. A lot of you guys may not know who this guy is, but if you're from the metal world, you definitely know who this dude is. On today's show, I am talking to Jordan Rudis from Dream Theater, right? He's the keyboardist from Dream Theater. Dream Theater's been around for ages, and Jordan's been in the business for ages. Um, I think he's like 60, 63 years old at this point, um, and he has been playing music since being a a kid, like a toddler. He's been one of those people that has, was gifted from an early age and he was nourished in such a way that he can continue playing music for his whole life at this point, which is really interesting. And he's lived through a lot of the changes in the industry. And the thing that was so fascinating is that I wrote to him, I asked him if he'd be on the show. He was totally down. Um, him and his manager actually got me to go backstage before one of their shows uh, outside of Los Angeles here. So I ended up driving out with uh, Brett, um, who's been on the show. Brett came out to help me out. Um, we drove out and these guys are fucking selling out. Like this, like there was barely any seats left in this huge stadium. So it's interesting to see a band like Dream Theater who like they have a diehard following, right? A diehard following. And then there's a lot of people that just don't know who they are. But it just goes to show that if you're good at what you do and you know how to build an audience and you know how to nurture that audience, then you can survive to the point where these guys have become a legacy act, right? Um, which is pretty rad. 
And so uh, today's episode is that. I get to go backstage. I get to hang out with Jordan. Uh, and we talk about music. We talk about the change in the industry. And we talk about how he sort of rolled with the punches and how he's uh, come, with, come up with different ways of making income. Supplemental income is a big part of a lot of these jobs right now because you don't have that same flow that you used to have. And this, what's interesting about this show is that it's relevant for the music industry, it's relevant for the photography industry, it's relevant for the movie industry. And what happened in the music industry happened before the stuff's gonna happen to us. I mean, you can, it's like seeing the future. It's seeing the future for the photography industry and we've seen what's happened with the photography industry at this point. And we're seeing what's happening with the movie industry and how all that stuff has changed. Um, it's fascinating. It's really fascinating. It's a much longer conversation. I think we'll talk a bit about it after uh, the interview because it's a short interview, guys. This is probably about a half hour interview. That's the amount of time that I was able to get to be backstage. Um, usually they're a bit longer, but it's cool. It's actually a cool episode. It's a wild sort of experience. Um, and we'll talk about it more after the process. So, you know the deal. Grab your noise-canceling headphones. Uh, get ready for some really trippy keyboardist metal music. <laughs> Hopefully you'll learn something about uh, that dream career that you want to get into. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the brand new episode of The Move of the Process. So, Jordan, thank you for agreeing to be on the show, my man. My pleasure. Uh, it's super cool that uh, you've let us actually come backstage and hang out with you uh, and uh, get into a bit of a conversation uh, about, you know what I'd love to talk about with you is just how to survive as a musician, how you've survived as a musician for so long, um, because you've been doing this for quite some time at this right, point, right. Um, been very successful at it. Mm. Um, so I think a lot of my listeners, they range from being uh, either in the movie industry, and I know there's a lot of musicians that listen to the show, but for uh, a lot of my folks, you hit this point in your life where you decide 
that you're going to walk away from that nine to five job and you're just going to fully commit mm. into the mm. art world and into what it is that you right, love to do. Right, sure. Um, yeah. So I'd love to get into that with you and talk yeah, about that. Yeah, we stuff. absolutely can. Awesome, I mean, man. Yeah. So uh, for the listeners who don't know, how when did you get started in music? When did music start? Yeah, so I started music really early. I was actually, um, the way the story goes, I was in my second grade classroom and I was there's a piano in the corner and I would go in and play the piano <laughs> and, uh, you know, accompany the kids in the little songs that they would sing and all this stuff. And one day the teacher called up my mother and said, hey, Jordan is playing the piano so nicely in the classroom. And my mother said, well, what are you talking about? We don't have a piano. He, he doesn't play the piano. She was like, well, he does play the piano because he plays every day in the classroom. She went out that week and bought a piano. And I started taking lessons with this, one of these guys that goes around and does the half an hour lesson at your house. And, and uh, he quickly, the guy quickly abandoned the traditional sheet music because he could see I had a good ear. You know, I was improvising on everything anyway. And he just started to teach me all the chords and, you know, and I just loved it. And so from that point, I just did it and never stopped. the guy that was like born with it essentially well i guess yeah i mean i have you know i guess in in a way uh people might be designed to uh make it easier to do certain things and you know it happens to be that i have you know good fingers and a good ear Mm -hmm. and uh so yeah there was some some natural ability so what happened was you know somebody can have natural ability but things can still not work out or be impossible one needs to you know really get focused on their craft and get trained and and I was lucky enough that uh, I had the support of my parents and I had great teachers and I went to Juilliard not you know long after I started a couple of years after I started I was Crazy. Kind of groomed to go into Ju- the Juilliard preparatory uh, division and so I had a really serious classical background which um, is the foundation of you know everything I do on the keyboard I mean it's my technique mm-hmm. so I think it was I think it's really just a combination of some natural ability and some serious training and the uh, desire and the ability to practice and somehow I figured out probably you know with some training the best ways to practice and even today I'm you know with the dream theater in this world I mean we're all super conscious of our hands and our, where we are physically and mentally so we can do our you know top performance and be kind of at our you know at our own peak skill yeah I mean especially that's an interesting point with your hands um, a few, I'd say like four or five, no, more than that. A few years ago, I actually was lucky enough to hang out with B.B. King all day before oh, he wow. died. Cool. And it was interesting to watch how he was dealing with the stress that he had put on his hands mm. for years. Yeah. Um, I actually saw him 
doing cortisone shots and doing all that stuff oh, in wow. order to get his hands ready to go. Wow. It was fascinating to watch. And that yeah. is my fear as a photographer and as a director is my, my eyesight and dealing with that. Do you guys, is that a concern for you at this point? Are you always trying to make sure that your hands are yeah, in Yeah, yeah. As I get older, I mean, more and more, I mean, like, you know, I just try to keep them flexible, try to keep them loose, try to, and also we're doing these long three-hour shows. Yeah, man. So it's demanding, and I feel that, you know, so I'm, you know, doing, like, precautionary kind of helpful things, with various creams and, <laughs> you know, ice or heat yeah. or whatever it takes to keep, you know, doing this and feel good. I mean, hell yeah, dude. Like, teenage girls are having problems with their hands from being on their cell phones for so long. You can't mess around with it. You have yeah. to. I keep them as loose as possible, very conscious of it, very sensitive. So, yeah. what I get. Hell yeah, man. Um, so, I'm fascinated. So, you started playing so young, like, started playing music at such an early age. Has music, has the experience of music for you, it must have. Like, how, how much has it changed for you? And does it go, has it, has it always felt the same since you were a kid? Or does it go through different cycles for you? And do you have like... Yeah. Um, well, it, it goes through different cycles, certainly because I'm always um, kind of like absorbing, learning different things, being turned on to other kinds of music, which might influence me to try different instruments like just today some people came by with a with a really cool instrument that was kind of like an evolution of the keyboard which I've been kind of involved in that process but every time something like that happens and somebody pushes the boundaries things like that seem to come my way because of my interest and my experience which means I'm always learning something new like developing more skill and ways to control sound so even in that part of the business which involves um, techniques to express music I'm always growing and changing and enjoying it I mean it's not it's not like somebody's like you have to learn this to stay current or whatever <laughs> I'm one of these people that's like totally about that I'm really interested in it it's a passion of mine yeah sound man. and and whatever techniques it takes to uh, to express you know with the technical technology that we have You're totally a techie, right? Because you basically well, be, have a company and you're developing yeah, yeah. apps and all that kind of I stuff. I would say I'm, I, I, well, because I love music and I love sound, uh -huh. I do the things that, it, that are necessary to achieve new sounds, new sonics, new ways of control. You kind of have to understand a bit about uh, you know the, the methods of uh, of MIDI and control and the way the instruments work to even play that game. So to a certain point, I'm technical to the point where I I need to be. I try not to. I, I don't know. I'm not naturally like that technical. Like, I'm okay. not a computer programmer. I'm not mechanical, but I love sound. Right. So I kind of figure out you know what I need to do to do cool stuff. Same is true with visuals. Like I got all these cool apps and I can do all these interesting things that most people don't know how to do, but I know how to do it. So I'm just so interested and I just dive in and say, what does this do? I love that effect. I got to figure out how do, you, how, how do I do that? And then I'll play with it and maybe ask somebody. And so it's all the technical stuff I do is out of this kind of like drive that I have for cool sound and cool things to you know, see visuals, audio. It's very so it's fascinating because you were classically trained. So you really come from that like classic piano, classic yes. 
system and then you get into the synth sounds right. and then you start getting into the electronic system is there a specific sound that really gets you excited like is it the electronic sound that you really like or is it well you know i still love to play the piano and i think the piano is one of the most beautiful instruments ever and i'm very joyous when i can sit at my nine foot steinway and just play yeah <clears throat> um but at the same time if i go you know in front of a you know, synthesizer or software that makes amazing, beautiful sounds, it's a different thing. Like the acoustic sounds tend to almost stimulate a different part of your brain, mm. right? If I'm just right. playing a piano sound, it can be beautiful. You can get totally lost. Then all of a sudden you're playing this cool electronic sound. It's like, wow, it's like a whole nother thing. Playing a piano, which let's say doesn't have the ability to like change the pitch, or you know, you, you when you play the piano, you play a note and and the sound just dies. It's not like you're controlling it the whole time. Right. But there's really something to be said about sound where you can play the note and then be in charge of the note, control it the entire time it's happening. Kind of like a violin or mm. you know, or a woodwind instrument or brass where you have that control. But for as, as a keyboardist in the electronic domain, especially, I can get to any of those kind of sounds and, and work in that way, which is so different than playing the piano. So it's a different experience about making those sounds. And of course, it, and from a listening point of view, those sounds, as I said, seem to just kind of appeal to a different part of your, your being. Yeah. And they also like... They also conjure up different uh, preconceived emotions from the audience too, correct? Right. Like if you're dealing with like a classic piano yeah, yeah. as opposed to dealing with sin stuff and then what that is conjuring from their youth or their childhood. Yeah, I mean like the other thing, the interesting thing about my world is uh, um, as a keyboardist in charge of like all sound, let's say, <laughs> is that when I'm playing the piano, is a certain technique, certain things I would do on a piano. Whereas if I'm playing like a string sound, I would play it totally differently. It would be a very different approach, like the kind of voicing mm. I would play. Like I might not play notes that are as close together, or I might really be conscious of holding certain sounds where on the piano you're not thinking necessarily, but holding so much in the same way. Because when you hit a piano note, the sound over time dies. But if you're holding a string sound, it's going to just continue. Mm. So it's almost like I've had to learn how different instruments respond uh, and then play them in that way. Although I would look at it almost that I'm hearing the sound and I'm responding to the way it sounds and working with what I hear. And if something is a very thick sound and I play a low chord, it's probably not going to be too pleasant because the notes will get all cluttery sounding. So I'm looking for things that have the right feel, which means that according to whatever sound I play, I have to adjust the way that I play it. <laughs> It's so beautiful to to live a life in which you're it's living the life of an artist at that point because you've really become obsessed with uh, the emotions that these sounds are creating for you and the emotions these these sounds are creating right. for an for an audience. Uh, I know 
uh, talking with other musicians and being around musicians for quite some time, there's, there's different stages to a musician's life. Like you have the writing period of time, you have your regular life, and then you also have the tour stuff. Right. Like, uh, are you always thinking in the art realm? Are you always obsessed with sound? Are you always in this game? Or do you have to compartmentalize your life? Is, are you dealing with well, those different things? Well, I mean, things? I personally am in the art space, whether it's touring or recording, a good percentage of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just who I am. I mean, I've always been kind of like one-sided, and that's positive sometimes, and maybe not so positive <laughs> other times, depending on what's going on. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I'll be like, dreaming of notes, like, and they'll be flying through my head, maybe at inopportune times, whatever. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I just can't like kind of help that. <laughs> just who I who I am right oh, and, 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 and actually I, you know I will say that you know some people are, are some people we meet are probably like that in terms of their nature but they weren't allowed to do that or they were closed down uh, for that type of thing I mean uh, you, you know, mean like at an early age like yeah like it could be or an, or you know I'm this Tons of people who love music, they're really creative, and all of a sudden I can't make any money doing this, I need yes. to get a job, I'll learn how to do accounting. Next thing you know, they're in an office, and they're not playing music, and you know, life is not as joyous and creative as it should, could be. Because right. you know, life is that kind of a journey. I, I feel you know, blessed to, uh, to have been supported and to be able to make a living doing you know, music. Hell yeah. Um, but you know, that's not to say that, you know, I don't have my own personal challenges. I mean, everybody has their challenges and there's always a balance, but, uh, but I do feel really lucky to be able to stay in the artistic space for as much time as I do in my time on this planet. Hell yeah, man. I mean, you just meeting you right now, you seem like a very chill, very happy kind of guy. Yeah. You know, pretty chill. you know, and I think yeah. it has to have something to do with the fact that yeah, you're able no, to do no this doubt. all the time. Yeah. Wait, now, were you always in this music realm? Did you have jobs before you did this stuff? What's a job? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know. Yeah, as I said, I was never really good at anything else. I was always supported in this field. And although I didn't always make a lot of money, or sometimes I hardly made any money, it was just, I couldn't, I could never see doing anything else. Yeah. You know, like literally periods of my life I played, like, you know, in the French restaurant down the street or in a bar or this or that or... You know, do whatever it takes. I could always make money because I play like every you know style of music. I right. play classical music. I can right. play, uh, you know. Right. Uh, and do you think it's because you were really proficient on the piano and the keyboard that that gave you more opportunity to make money when you needed to make well, money? Well, yeah, because I not only played classical music, but then I could also play, uh, you know, Misty or Autumn Leaves <laughs> and, you know, improvise and make up stuff you've never heard in whatever style. And I just had that, luckily had that kind of gift to be able to do that. Yeah, yeah. So I could easily get a job somewhere playing whatever was required. Um, I, I once had a uh, piano gig in Woodstock where Tony Levin lives and a lot of musicians. Of course, I went on to work with Tony Levin in Liquid Tension Experiment, but I remember when I was younger, I was playing in this place called Deming Street Restaurant and Tony <laughs> Levin walked in and he, I didn't know him from a hole in a wall. He didn't know me, but I started to break into like, you know, some kind of mellow crimson song or this or that. And he was really, he was cool. He, he didn't really look up, you know, but I, but I know he was probably like thinking, What's going on? <laughs> and then later on, years later, I met him and I asked him. He said he didn't remember. No, of course, of course. Right, right. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's super cool, man. Like, it's it's great um, that you have been able to 
not only find an outlet for yourself creatively, but yeah. be able to support yourself with that stuff too, which is really yeah, awesome. Yeah. And I'm always, you know, and my interests are wide uh, enough and being in the music field, it's almost like one kind of has to, you know, like do a bunch of things really to be creative, to make a good living, especially now that music yeah. is free. Yeah, yeah, um, right. So, you know, so I'm always, mostly because of my interest really, but uh, I'm involved with a lot of stuff. I mean, I have an app company, it's called Wisdom Music, Wisdom with a Z. Mm -hmm. We have a really cool new instrument that's out mostly for iOS, although it's coming out for like Mac computers soon. It's, it's uh, you know, it's been a big project something I did with the guys from Stanford University. Cool. Um, and that's, you know, working in that domain is kind of a really cool uh, thing for me. I'm also involved in starting to do music for like television and movies. I noticed. The whole licensing yeah. world. I put out an album just recently called Heartfelt, which came out on a, with a group called Liquid Cinema. It's not a record company, but it's a, it's a company that does music for uh, licensing. Mm -hmm. uh, it was a lovely, I think, collection of music focused on piano and very kind of some spacey sounds, but it can sit beautifully in back of a, you know, television scene, movie cool. type of thing. So I'm getting into that now. I'm working on an orchestral library uh, that's more geared towards like sports and big stuff and working with a team of guys that I know. So, you know. I love this stuff, and I like to do a bunch of different things. And uh, well, you got to diversify it. today too, because, like you diversify. said, yeah, like because uh, you've been in the business for a while now. Um, with the change of like CDs not being sold and the music being right. free right now, like, do you think the business is better, or do you think it's different, or do you think it's like how do you feel about the business? Well, now? I mean, just to give a perspective, I mean, you look at the career like Dream Theater, and we do very well, mm -hmm. but if we had the same career you know, like 25 years ago or, you know, 30 years ago, we would be on a whole different yeah. level. Yeah. You know, I mean, think about like Emerson, Lake and Palmer in their prime or Genesis or yes. I mean, dream theaters, no less, you know, popular than those groups, but we're in a different age. And so, uh, with, again, with CDs, not really selling music, not selling people getting it for free, it really changes the game a lot. So like we rely very much on touring and VIP mm -hmm. stuff, uh, you know, merchandise and you know, that's how we do well. Mm -hmm. It's totally different game than it used to be. I mean, you think about like, you know, Spotify and, and, yeah. and, you know, Apple music and what the musician really gets paid for, you know, a whole shitload of streams. It's dude, it's nuts. And then also you're looking at it now from a, what, at how the younger generation is processing music and they're more focused on what Spotify channel they're listening to more than they are what band you're listening to. Yeah, right. And even like uh, I just found out the other day from a young friend of mine who's totally into the new kind of musical path and how things work. He said, you know, like when you release an album, you put an album on Spotify, like the Dream Theater album, what happens is that the first song gets a ton of plays, the second song gets less, 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 less. doesn't yeah. matter what song it is, but the first track is the one that everybody streams. And then from there, down the list of what the order of songs are, you get less and less streams. So the people, that's why so many people are doing like this thing where they stream one song at a time. Singles game at this point. Yeah. That's what everybody's doing. I mean, yeah. Dream Theater also has a, still a business selling physical merchandise. Like we have amazingly beautiful box sets and different kind of bonus packages and CDs and vinyl. We still do that. So how you, you know, exactly what we'll do to kind of like keep this career vibrant and growing 
Hmm. Not sure, but like personally, my eyes are wide open because I'm into this stuff. I want to know, you know, how how things are working. It's a fascinating thing to look at because there was just a time period where uh, you'd get signed by a label and then you'd just basically be writing that out and writing that out right, as, a, right. as a musician. Yeah, you do your album and you go out and tour and you sell albums and, yep. you know, and that's it. But now it's very different and certain people are, uh, you know, figuring it out and doing interesting things. We were just with some guys uh, last night, came to the show that are making a really good living doing like Twitch stuff where they will do, uh, you know, like music for, they'll do their own arrangements of, of video games, like metal kind of arrangements of Weird. video games. To a video game, like while they're playing a video game kind they'll, of? They'll go to a popular like music track from a video game, they'll turn it into metal. Oh, okay. And they put yeah. it on Twitch and they, uh, you know, and they just get all these people who are like donating money. They get donations and things like that, and they're making really good money. Wow! So it's interesting to see how that works. Fascinating. How are we doing on time? Uh, we are doing pretty good. I'd say another five minutes is okay. fine. Perfect. Um, well, let me just get to the point where I usually ask my guests uh, to give a bit of advice to the younger listeners that are listening to the show. Okay. And if you were uh, talking to a musician that's getting into the business now. Yeah. And somebody that's sort of trying to get their footing and trying to figure out how to have a life, how to have a career in right, this. Like, right. what would you suggest yeah. to them? Well, the first thing I would say is that whatever you decide to do, whether it's operate your computer and play uh, electronic music or be a DJ or, you know, look, really, really focus on the tools, get as much information as you can, as much skill. The, the problem a lot of people have is that people think that because it's music and it has this everybody loves music, it feels cool. It, they just want to be able to do it without any, you know, anything blocking their way. So the idea of like, practicing an instrument is something that nobody wants to do you know especially nowadays when the, the attention span is so short yeah. but there's but you know there's just a reality you have to if to succeed in anything you know you have to have the drive and the patience to really learn and 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 develop your skill and your technique for whatever it is it doesn't have to be a physical instrument um so there's that part so if you're playing a physical instrument yeah you're going to need to practice. If you're a songwriter, you're going to have to seriously learn your craft and have tools to write those songs, whether it's not whether it's you're banging out chords on the piano and you know mm -hmm. all the chords or you have some other technique of doing that. You need to learn that technique. Um, the other side of it, though, is the music business and how it's been changing and all the possibilities for new ways to, uh, to make this happen. And as a... You know, an older guy, I'm kind of, and also somebody who's interested, I'm still eyes wide open. Wow, like I listen to people like, wow, you're making money that way? Like, like that, that's amazing. So I'll take that information in and, and explore it. Like the guys last night were talking about Twitch. Mm. Cool. Like I do a whole lot of live streaming, but mm. I just give this stuff away. And I'm happy to share my, share music. I love putting my camera down and just playing the piano and sharing. But, you know, that's, there could be a, a more productive way to, I can still share music and maybe continue to feed my family as that's well. That's what it ultimately would, comes down yeah, to. Yeah, right? I mean, you know, it's nice that you want to share, but you got everybody's got to eat, and people yeah. should expect to be able to give something back for the music that they hear. So to anybody who watches all my live streaming and all that stuff, yeah, I'll still share, but I will change that a little bit to make a system where you could contribute to the food you know, on the table a little bit to, uh, to make, <laughs> make it sure more, that you got more of a reasonable, <laughs> reasonable trade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes all the sense of the world. Yeah, and that's good advice. And I know you're, cool. you're strapped on time, so I won't keep you anymore, man. No problem. But all I right, appreciate man. you uh, being on the show and letting us come in. Excellent. Thanks so much. Thanks so much. All right. All right.
do the reads here uh, after the interview and then uh, we'll we'll wrap up the episode just because it's such a strange format for the show it's a it's like a very short episode so um first up uh good sponsors my good friends over at uh, puget systems if you are a music producer if you are a sound engineer if you are a video editor if you are working on a computer uh, system that isn't staying current with what you need uh it's time to upgrade and when you are going to upgrade now, you don't have to just buy a Mac. You don't have to go to Apple at this point. PCs work just as well. Uh, and if you're using like any of the Adobe products, it runs on both systems without a difference. And sometimes even faster on a PC, depending upon how you uh, put it together. And the thing that's so great about PCs is that they are 100% customizable. And for some people, that is such a daunting task. It's a big deal. It's like, oh my God, I have so many choices what do I choose, right? If you're building your own PC. And some people are like, I don't want to even think about building a PC because what if I buy the wrong parts and how the parts fit together and all that sort of stuff? Look, listen, I get it. There's a lot of us out there that just want to buy something out of a box, set it up and get it going, right? Go to PugetSystems.com. I vetted a bunch of different PC manufacturers, a bunch of different companies that build PCs and Puget was the best. They are a great company. They have uh, they're, they're, I don't want to say they're a small company, but they're like a family-run company. Um, so when you're dealing with them with uh, tech support, you're talking to real people. How fucking weird is that in our current age, right? Talking to someone for real. Um, and they build uh, PCs based upon the software that you're going to use. It's a myth that you can build one machine that'll work perfectly for every piece of software. And it's strange. Like if you're someone that's trying to build an After Effects machine, believe it or not, like three or four generations prior on graphics cards run better than the new ones. And the cool thing about Puget is that they benchmark test all of the new uh, hardware that comes out. So even if you're just someone that wants to build your own PC, go to PugetSystems.com because they post all their benchmark stuff. So you can go there, see what they've been testing, and then build your own system. These guys aren't just about making loot. They actually want to feed the movement they want to feed the not the industry but the group the pc lovers out there so uh if you're going to build a new machine go on over to pugetsystems.com you can click the link below then they'll know that i sent you guys there they'll hook you up right so check them out go do that um and let's see i like i've got a bunch of sponsors ready to rock i'm recording this episode before everybody's officially back from the holidays so the next episode after this, we'll have a bunch more sponsor reads. Um, but in the meantime, if you want to support the show, go to inlovewiththeprocess.com. There, there's a donation button if you want to throw like 10, 15 bucks at us. That's great. If you don't want to reach in your own pocket, there's a bunch of different ways to do so. Okay, one, we get the sweet deal with Capital One. Now, if you're a person that doesn't know how to handle your finances, if you're someone that's consistently in debt, do not listen to this. Do not do this. I forbid you to do this. <laughs> I don't want to be that guy that is helping you fuel your pile of debt. But if you're someone that is starting your business, it's 2020. 
you're trying to get your business running the right way, right? And you're out there and you're getting hired to go do shoots and uh, you're expected to front the money for all your rental gear and all that stuff. And you're just sick and tired of your uh, savings account or your rent account shrinking down because your clients aren't paying you uh, in 30 days. Sometimes they're paying you later than 30 days. Get yourself a credit card. Get yourself a credit card that'll work for the business. And then you can put all of your stuff on that credit card and then you can uh, uh, not have to worry about paying rent. And the cool thing about the Capital One stuff, there are two different options. If you go to inlovewiththeprocess.com, you'll scroll down. You can click either one. There's a Capital One Venture card and then there's a Venture One card, right? So the difference is the Venture card, you have to pay an annual fee. So at the end of the year, you pay a $95 fee, but you get a bigger sign-up bonus. So with that, I think if you spend... Oh my God, I can't remember. It's it's like if you spend, I think it's like $3,000 in the first three months, um, you get like uh, 50,000 miles, which equates to $500 towards travel, which is really great. Um, and then the Venture One card has no annual fee, but it's a lot less on the uh, sign-up bonus. So like if you spend... I think it was like 1500 bucks you'll get 200 dollars or something 300 or something don't quote me on it it's all on the website go there check them both out everybody that signs up for a card and goes through the approval process on that money comes to us for the show which is great and then i use these cards Gina's uses these cards i literally finance my uh pre-trip across the country to go scout for apartments by doing that and it's really you especially if you're running a business your first job where you have to rent $3,000 worth of gear, it's fucking great. You immediately get paid for that using the cards. It's really cool stuff. So go check it out. Or if you're someone that doesn't want to play in the credit card game, don't don't blame me, that's fine. Uh, and you haven't uh, already done so, you can sign up for a trial, 30-day free trial at audible.com. Um, at audible, I think it's like audibletrial.com backslash in love with the process. I'll put the link below the episode. Um, but uh, if you sign up through us, you'll get 30 days for free from Audible. You'll get a free audiobook, which is great. Um, and then you'll be introduced to all these other, all this other great content that's going to make you want to stick around. Um, per month, it's not that bad. Um, but if you don't want to stick around, after when 30 days come up, just cancel. It's fine. We get paid either way. Not a big deal, right? So we get a little bit of money if you sign up for the show. Super easy to do. And if you're saying like, it's 2020, I want to start reading more. Well, I want to start listening to stuff more. Check it out. It's a good way to do it. It's a good way to support the show. Um, and um, yeah, as always, follow me at Mike Petchy on Instagram or follow the podcast uh, In Love With The Process pod. That's In Love With The Process P-O-D on Instagram. Um, there you can suggest new episodes, like if there are guests that you want to hear on the show. And those of you who have suggested guests, you've seen that I have got over 80% of the people that has been suggested to me, right? And this year, I'm pushing for bigger, better stuff. It's going to be cool. Um, so go check it out. You can write to me. You can interact with me. Tell me that you're listening to the show. Tell me what you think of this episode. Go to at Mike Petchkin on Instagram. Send me a note. Send me a message. Tell me what you think. This is a weird one. You're like, nah, we didn't like this one. Or we did like this one. Whatever you want to do. Um, and uh, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Let's just talk about that, man. Uh, it was a wild experience. I had no idea that I was going to be backstage interviewing Jordan. Um, you asked me a couple weeks before, I, I wouldn't have told you that. It's such a weird experience. And it was a fun experience to be there. And he turned out to be a really cool guy. 
Um, and he was going through some shit before we got there. And I'm not going to talk about it on the show, but, um, you know, like anybody, you're dealing with your regular life. And he was such a gentleman. And uh, he sat down and gave me the time that he had promised, which was really great. Um, and uh, I'm going to play some of their music. I'll play some of the music at the beginning of the show. You've been listening to some of the music, and I'll play their music at the end of the show. Um, they're really great. Go check them out. And um, like I said, Jordan has continues to play with Dream Theater, um, and he has this uh, progressive metal supergroup experiment called Liquid Tension Experiment. And then he also has a solo album, I think, that just recently came out. So go check him out. I'll put all the links below on the episode. You can uh, go check him out, and uh, maybe you'll become a new fan of them. I hope so. And I hope you really started to think logically about what it is that you want to do and how to get there. And I'm just going to say it again. I'm not trying to talk you out of your dreams. I'm not trying to change your mind. I'm just trying to open your mind a little bit. Change your thinking. Don't just fall in love with the romance that is projected at you on Instagram. And fuck, man, it blows my mind how many people use Instagram. And honestly, I'm on that fucking thing because of the business, you know, because it's important that I find new listeners for the show. That's how I find my clients and stuff. But like the average Joe citizens that are always on fucking Instagram, it's like, what are you getting from it? And maybe this is a horrible thing for me to talk about on the show because I'm literally talking you guys out of uh, following me on it. But shit, I was walking around the other day. I went for a walk, right? Because I got to go do a bit more exercise because according to uh, the doctor, um, I've got uh, I've got to lose some weight. That's basically it, right? Um, so I was walking around the other night, walking around the block a few times, and I just was passing people that were out walking their dogs, right? Or that I'm walking behind people that are walking their dogs, and they're on Instagram. I literally would walk by people that were sitting in their cars outside their house and just taking 10, 15 minutes before they went in the house, and they're on Instagram, and they're circling through Instagram. And these are kids, man. This is like a 50-year-old, 45-year-old dude with dirty hands just sitting there going through Instagram and looking at images. What the fuck compels us to do that? It blows my mind, man. Continue to do so if you are going to be that person that sits out there in the fucking car. (laughs) Then continue to go to my account, you know? But, wow. I don't know, man. It's crazy. As a species, how we get so hooked on shit. It's pretty nuts, man. But anyway, besides that crazy little rant, um, do the research on the jobs that you want. And go do the research. Like, go, go PA. Go work on a set. Because what you're going to find is that job that you thought was awesome isn't necessarily what you want to do. And you're going to fall in love with some other job that has something to do with your dream. And you're going to follow that. I mean... Look at me. I thought I was going to get into radio to fucking introduce people to music and stuff. And those same skills that I was using for that, I'm now using for this podcast. Right? You never fucking know. And you never know how things are going to shift. You never know how things are going to advance. Just, you know, try to get to the source. Try to try to figure it out for real. And continue to listen to the show. I will always be showing you guys the new shit that I'm learning. Uh, And I I just, I believe wholeheartedly in giving you guys an honest 
real perspective on this stuff. Uh, because uh, if I had got that when I was hunting for it, then maybe I would have refined my love, refined my goals. You know what I mean? Adjusted them just a little bit. And maybe it would have bought me five years. You know what I mean? So, I don't know. I don't know. It's all good, though. Life is great and uh, very excited about the new stuff that's happening in 2020. I am sitting around. This is Sunday, the 5th. Tomorrow is when everybody goes back to work. Tomorrow is when I start to get some answers. Let's get fucking to work. This has been the longest vacation holiday break ever. Have holiday breaks ever been this fucking long? It feels like it's been three weeks. Oh, my God. Let's get back to work. Let's do it. Let's get 2020 started officially. Are you guys with me? Fuck yeah. You got your to-do lists? Let's get it. First one on the list. Let's nail it out. Monday, tomorrow, we're going to do it. Uh, and of course, this episode releases on Tuesday. So, you know, yesterday, we're going to do it. <laughs> All right. Enough ranting, enough raving. Uh, it's a nice little short episode. I appreciate you guys listening, and I will... See you next Tuesday.